No, we don't have children's church this morning, but um, this morning we're going to be doing some things that will kind of incorporate some kids as well. And um, yeah, we're going to talk this morning about worship. And so to help me with that, I'm actually going to need some volunteers. So here's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about worship. We've just been doing it. For those of you that are new to our culture, usually on our fifth Sundays, what we try to do is a fifth Sunday praise service. And we just kind of celebrate and, and sing songs and celebrate who God is, what he's done. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about worship. And so we're going to actually have some fun with it, even with our kids in here. So here's what we're going to do. I need kids that are fifth grade and under to raise your hand because I need some volunteers to come up on stage with me. Now, all of a sudden I see hands go, yeah, no, no, not this one. I'm not coming back up on stage. No, no. All right, Gabriel, come on up. Come on up. Let's see here. Yeah, Elias, come on up. Let's see. We need about five. Let's see. Hallie, come on up. Um, let's see here. Who else do we want? You really want to come up? Are you sure? Both of you? Okay, come on up. Let's see here. We need, we need at least one more. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. All right. We got, a, we got a good crew here. All right. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. All right. Now, come on up and stand right over here, all in a group, right over here. Now, here's my question for you kids. Okay, you guys go to like Sunday school and stuff like that. Any of you in Awana? Yeah, in Awana, okay. All right, this morning is gonna be kind of like, you guys have heard of being smarter than a fifth grader. So we're gonna have a little competition here. So now I need some adults. Are we ready? Where's my adult fans that will come up and challenge these kids? I'm not seeing arms that quick now, folks. Come on, come on, where are my adults? Come on. Come on, I need, I need some adults here. Come on, raise a hand, raise a hand. Okay, we have one, go ahead, come on up. Come on, I need at least like, like three or four. Do we have, yeah, yeah, give her a hand. Thank you, thank you very much for being brave and coming on up. Listen, I'm not gonna poke you and prod you or anything. I'm just gonna ask some questions. Do I need to start doing the voluntold thing? Brady, Brady, get down here. Get down here. Uh, Steve, come on up. All right. There we go. Let's give him a hand. We'll, we'll, we'll go a three. J Mr. Gates. Mr. Gates. Paging Mr. Gates. Please come to the front of the... Yeah, let's give him a hand. All right. Come on up. Okay. So here's... These kids are raring to go, aren't you? All right. So kids, here's what I need. I need somebody who's gonna be your scribe, who's gonna write for you, okay? Do you wanna write? Can you write? Not really, but we'll, we'll go for it. You can, how about you tag team? Does that work? We need a scribe over here, adults. Who's gonna be the scribe? So, yeah, <laughs> who, who said give it to the doctor? Seriously, okay, okay, I was like, I was like, what on earth, we're not, I've read my prescription notes. I have no clue how I get the right drugs. <clears throat> All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning. So it's kind of like Jeopardy, in a sense. Have you watched Jeopardy where there's a question that comes up, kids, and then you guys can talk as a group, 
and come up with your answer and write it down. Adults can do the same thing. I'm gonna give you a question and then you're gonna answer the question and then we're gonna see who got it right. Are we ready? Are we ready? All right, without further ado, folks. Ty, do you have any like Jeopardy music that you can look up for us? I mean, once we ask this question, we probably need something Jeopardy-ish. All right, so here's what we're gonna be talking about this morning is we're gonna be talking about how we approach God, okay? So there's gonna be some situations that I'm gonna give you in scripture, and you just need to answer the question on what happened. Are you ready? First one should be an easy one. So come together as a group here, kids, because you're gonna be talking. You don't want these adults to, to cheat on your answer. Come together as a group, come together as a group. Yeah, 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 all right. Are we ready? All right. Now think Genesis, all right? Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they cover themselves with? What did they cover themselves with? So that's the question that we need to think about. And if, did we find any Jeopardy music? Let's hear it. We'll give them just a little moment. It's coming. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, we're, now we like it. Are we ready? Adults, how are we doing? We doing okay? You're ready to go. All right, so here we go. We now need to see answers. So let's see from our, we're gonna start with our kids first. Is that all right, adults? All right, so kids, what, what's our answer that we came up with? Leaves, all right, so we got leaves over here. So all right, adults, what did we come up with? Leaves, all right, let's give them a hand. They at least got the first one right. All right. Now, here's, here's an extra credit question for you. What kind of leaves were they? What kind of leaves were they, do you remember? Poison ivy. <laughs> Poison ivy, let's hope not, poor folks. There's a reason that didn't last too long. Do you know? Palm, a fig, it was a fig, a fig leaf. So yeah, all right. So all right, so we're gonna, we're gonna leave it at 1-1 one, one right now, all right? So audience, can you kind of help me keep track of score? All right, our next one, are we ready for this? Cain and Abel, what was the sacrifice that they brought to God? Ooh. <laughs> We have one, hey, get on up here and help them. Yeah, seriously, right? So let's see if we can remember what was the sacrifice that Abel brought and what was the sacrifice that Cain brought. Let's see if we remember. Let's get that music, yeah. Oh, it's, some of you are gonna be going home today going, man, I cannot think of anything but Jeopardy right now. sacrifice again that Abel and Cain brought. All right, I think we're ready. All right, this time we're going to start with the adults and let them give their answer first. So adults, what do we have? Cain brought grain. Hey, this is even sounding like a good rhyming right here. And Abel, a lamb. So, all right, kids, what do we got? Fruit, sheep, we know that it was something from the ground. So it's possible that it could have been, been fruit, 
grain. It was a first fruit offering, something that they got immediately. And then you're right, it was a sacrifice from the field. So lamb, so we'll actually give credit. Should we give credit to both? All right, so we're still 1-1, still 1-1. All right, now we're, we're gonna up our ante here a little bit. Are we ready? Who is Nadab and Abihu? Nadab and Abihu. And what happened to them? Nadab and Abihu. I know this one's a tricky one. This one's a tricky one. Nadab and Abihu. Nadab, and no, 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 no searching on the internet. We may need to call foul over here. Abihu. Nadab and Abihu. We giving a guess? Giving a guess? Any guess? It's all right. It's all right. You, you can even put, just give a guess if you want. All right. So we're going to go ahead. And we're going to let the kids start. Did we come up with an answer, kids? Hallie's, Hallie's writing. Do you want to give a guess? Zario, Zario. The other two that were on the cross? Two on the cross. Okay, so that was, that was a good guess. Leper and a servant. So unfortunately, both teams did not get the answer <laughs> on Nadab and Abihu. We need to read through Leviticus again. If you look through Leviticus 10, these are the two sons of Aaron who offer an unlawful sacrifice or unlawful incense. All right. All right. So here's the last one. Last one, folks. Are we ready? So this one, you can choose which translation that you're going from, but we might need to have the audience check. What is John 14 verse 6? John 14, verse 6. You can either have someone quote it or you can write it down. John 14, verse 6. I'll even accept paraphrase from you kids if you want. Yes, Jesus said. ready with the answer up there, I think. We ready? All right. I think our kids at least have a portion of it. So did I do kids or adults last time? Kids. kids. All right. So we're going to go ahead. Hi. <laughs> go ahead. Answer. Had a blank. Kids, what's the answer? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Tune in next week. We'll be playing Wheel of Fortune. No. <laughs> totally kidding. All right. Well, thank you so much, kids and adults, for helping out with that. So the question that I was asking this morning is, how do we approach God? Is, is how we approach God important to God? Does it matter? I think even just from looking at those few lessons, like how we approach God, let's look at the first slide. There's some different illustrations that I gave. Obviously, Adam and Eve. They chose to try to cover themselves up, but was that okay for them to come before God that way? No, what God eventually does is he, he gives them a different covering. Kids, do you remember what it was? What was the different covering that he gave them? What was it? What? Food? Well, he did give them, give them some food. Animal skins, very good. He gave them animal skins to wear. So instead of covering themselves with fig leaves, gave them animal skins. Cain and Abel, what do we look at with that circumstance? It was important how they approached God. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting all sorts of great feedback here. With Cain and Abel, there was one sacrifice that was accepted, that was pleasing to God. There was one sacrifice that was not pleasing to God. We look at Moses. What about Moses? What, what was he told to do when he approached the, 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 the burning tree? Anyone? Take your shoes off. Why? It's holy ground. It was important how he approached God. Other ones, Israelites at Sinai, do you remember that? They're sitting there at the camp and all of a sudden there are these clouds, there's thunder, there's lightning. And one of the things that Moses is to command these people to do is set up a perimeter around the mountain. No one is to go up onto the mountain. So there's specifics on how God is approached. Nadab and Abihu, they decide to offer incense on, on a, and it's an unlawful incense offering that they were supposed, that they, that they made. And what happened to them because of it? Fire consumed them. They died. It was serious. Their approach of God was not acceptable. The book of Leviticus, the whole book of Leviticus is actually about how does a sinful people approach an absolutely holy God? Is there a way for us to approach a holy God? I can't, I can't do it on my terms. I have to do it on his terms. We look at Jesus cleansing the temple and we can see that many people were approaching the throne of God. We could even look at the Psalms and there were Psalms even called the Psalms of Ascent. They were something that the Jews would rehearse as they were getting ready to go up to the temple to offer sacrifices. How I approach God is absolutely important. Well, one of the things that we would also learn if we, if we, if we think about things in the Old Testament and New Testament, what is God after with our worship? Ultimately, what does he want? So you look at like a Deuteronomy 6.5, it's also repeated elsewhere in Matthew 22 and also in Luke. Well, what does it say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And it's repeated in other passages. That's the Shema. That's, that's one of the things that, that any Jew would, remember, would memorize when they were first really young kid. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. So one of the things that we notice about God is what is he after? He's after our heart. 
And what is so detestable that happens that Isaiah talks about it and it's repeated again in the New Testament. In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, because this people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. Their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. What was, what was he concerned about? What was God concerned about how these people were approaching God? How they were approaching him? They were going through the right form. They had nice words. They were offering sacrifices that they were supposed to do. They had the right form of worship, but what was far from God? Their heart. God didn't have their heart. They didn't have a heart for God. And so how we approach God is absolutely important. So one of the things that is our passage that we're gonna be looking at this morning is John 4. And I love this encounter. I'll kind of give you a highlight of this. I'm not gonna be able to go into every detail because I'm specifically talking about worship this morning. Is it important how we approach God? And listen closely to what John 4, 23 through 24 says. This is a story about Jesus. He encounters this woman at a well and he gets into this discussion with this woman and she has many different questions for Jesus. She's asking him questions about, wait, you know what? We worship on this mountain. You guys say that you're supposed to worship on this mountain and, and which one is it? And, and Jesus cuts right to the heart of the issue and he answers her question with what we're actually gonna be looking at. So listen along in what the passage says. Jesus answers and he says this, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Did you hear that? Spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This should perk our ears. If we're considering worship, God is after a certain kind of worshiper and he lets this woman know this. Listen, I'm after a specific kind of worshiper and they must worship me this way. And a lot of different commentators have talked about this passage. What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Does that mean I worship with all of my being, all of my heart? Do I... Do I what do I need to do? Let's, let's get to the big picture of what Jesus is trying to get at with all of this. There's a slide I have next that I think some of you kids will relate to. Are you ready? What's this from? Any of you kids remember? Oh, green eggs and ham, right? When Jesus is talking to this woman, this woman says, wait, we worship on this mountain. And then you guys say that, that we should worship on this mountain. Which, which one is it? And he looks at this woman and he says, listen, there's a time that's coming where you're not gonna worship on this mountain or this mountain. I'm looking for worshipers who are gonna worship me in spirit and in truth. And here's the deal that Jesus is trying to get at with that. It's this. For us to be true worshipers, worshipers that God desires, we need to realize that worship is not about a place. It's about a person what Jesus is ultimately getting at with this woman. He's saying it's not about a place, it's not about location. Now why do I talk about that with us here as, as a church? One of the things that will stifle, that will make us have anemic worship, 
We want to be a church that gives God full praise, that when we come together, we have one voice and we're, we're declaring the might and wonders of God. We're to be a people that proclaim his excellencies, according to 1 Peter 2, 10, 9 and 10. We're to be this people that proclaims the wonders of God. But here's the reality. So often, many times, my worship is relegated to what just happens here on this day during this hour and a half. And it's something that isn't a culmination of my worship. It's not this, it's not this building up, um, trying to think of the musical term, the, what's the crescendo? The crescendo of my life. See, throughout the whole week, what's to be happening is I'm to be worshiping God, encountering God, and realizing, oh God, I am a person who is in desperate need of you. I need you now, I need you every moment. And we realize our sin and we come before God and we go, oh God, I need your forgiveness for my sin. I needed your son to die on the cross for me. And we come and we worship all throughout the week so that by the time we get here, what's happening? Oh man, I come in and I'm ready to worship because I know what God has done for me. It's not just about a place, it's about a person and I've been encountering this person all throughout the week. So that what happens in here is this crescendo, it's this climax that happens in our worship that we are all celebrating who Jesus is and what he's done and there's this chant that happens, there's this chorus that happens that's happened all throughout the week and we're encouraging one another going, oh, how I need him, what we were just singing. And my heart is right along with that melody because I've experienced that all throughout the week. I need him. But when I relegate it to a place here, when I relegate it to a time, maybe, well, I, I worship just when I open up my Bible in the morning or when I just do it in the evening. I'm missing out on what's gonna happen even on this day. It's not a crescendo, it's something that I'm trying to manufacture on a Sunday. And that's a hard place to be when I come in and I'm trying to manufacture worship of the living God. And Jesus looks at this woman and he says, our God is after worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. What is he after? He's after people who will worship him for the reality of who he is. Well, listen to this. This next aspect is this. People who understand, we need people who understand worship is not just about what we do, but who he is. Look at this quote. It's by a guy named D.A. Carson. It says this, you can't find excellent corporate worship until you stop trying to find excellent corporate worship and praise God himself. It's interesting what he goes on to say at the end of this quote. He says, despite the, protestation, uh, the protest, one sometimes wonder if we're beginning to worship worship rather than worship God. Do you hear that? What's worship become? It's become something that I do. It's not about who God is. And that's what Jesus is getting at with this woman because what does he say next? Listen to what he says next to this woman. He says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman says to him, she gets it. She says, I know that Messiah, a person, is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She got it. She understood, wait a minute, we're talking about worship. You're trying to focus on a person. 
This Messiah is gonna come and he's gonna tell us about all of these things and what does Jesus say to her? I who speak to you am he. The focus is not just on what we do. The focus should be on who he is. And that's John's point through the whole thing. See, many times that we have weak worship is we simply look for an experience. I'm looking for this experience that I'm hoping Kai and the worship team, that they can come together and play their instruments just right. And, and, and the worship music is the worship music that I'm looking for. It, it meets my needs. It, it stimulates my emotion the way I like to be stimulated. And what we forget is that it's not about that. Worship isn't about an experience. It's about who he is. When we're singing, oh, how I need you. When we're singing songs about his faithfulness and, and the songs that we just sang before I got up here and started speaking, we're reflecting on who God is and his character. See, the reality, and, and let's go two slides up ahead to Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. See, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, how has he chosen to speak to us? Is it important how we approach God? The writer of Hebrews would say, absolutely. The writer of John, the apostle, would say, absolutely. It is important how we approach God. Our kids even just gave us an instance of how important is it on how we approach God. What did they say about Jesus? I am the and the life. And then there's something else that's very specific that he says after that. What does he say after that? Someone help me. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. I can't come any other way. So how I approach God is absolutely important. So what are some takeaways that impact our lives this morning? God is concerned with how we approach him. Whole scripture is about it. How do I approach God? Do I approach him on my terms? Do I approach him on his terms? Do I approach a God that is a, a God of my own figment of my imagination? Or am I approaching the God of the universe? The one declared in scripture. God is concerned with how we approach him. What's the other one? We must approach God on his terms that he gives us to approach him on. Not my own terms. And listen to this quote. It's by a, a, a guy named um, Mark Deaver. There we go. Says this, that the Bible suggests that left to our own devices, not only will we fail to approach God in a way that honors him, but we will also certainly dishonor him. This is because the worship of God must be a reflection of God's character and not ours. That character is not found by looking to ourselves our preferences, our tastes and desires. It's found by looking to God's word where he has revealed himself. When we come together for worship, do you understand what we're trying to get at? We're coming together not just to express my preference, not to express my individual worship, not just to have this, this ethereal experience. I'm coming here to celebrate who God is, who he's revealed himself to be. And that's what makes great worship when it's about Jesus, when it's about what he's done, that's when we get to enjoy wonderful worship. What's the other thing that we need to remember from John 4, 23 through 24? 
And even just looking at some of the passages that we talked about in Isaiah, he says, their lips, and they draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Think about this. That means that we can fail in worshiping God even if we nail the form of it. We can miss worshiping God even though we nail the form. See, the reality for each and every one of us in here, we can come in here and we can raise our hands. That's a very biblical approach to worship. I can come in here and I can dance. Miriam danced. David danced before the Lord. I can dance, but guess what? I can have all the exterior, all the form right, but I can miss worshiping God because my heart isn't in it. I'm not celebrating him for who he is. I'm more worshiping the experience of worship. Where's your heart this morning as we worship, as we celebrate? Are we here to celebrate an experience? Are we here to celebrate something that I just enjoy, the style of music that we have? Or are we here to encounter the living God? So here's something that I'm gonna kind of change directions for us and talk about something that's pertinent to our church family, if I can. Who are we as a church? I'm gonna talk about this. Obviously, what I just talked about with worship, we want people to come in. When you come in to worship kids, when you come in to worship adults, we're not just after an experience. We're after worshiping the true and living God together as revealed in Jesus Christ. So we're going to celebrate who Jesus is. We're gonna talk about Jesus. But here's the other truth of what we have and we even have it happening here right now. And this is kind of what I'm wanting to talk about with us as a church this morning. This really is more some of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote to churches about certain circumstances that were happening to help encourage them so that their worship would continue, that the word of God would continue to spread and that God would be honored in the churches. And that's an approach that I'm trying to talk this morning, but I'm gonna admit, I don't feel like I have it all together on this. But I'm gonna be asking us to come together as a church and work together for one great aim. And that one great aim is my desire for us as a church. God's desire for us as a church is that we would have great worship. Our focus, our hearts would be fixed on Christ. That's my heart. And how can we do things that help us move forward towards that? One of the unique aspects for us as a church is that we value multi-generational worship. So when you come here to church in the morning, if you're new to Berean, each morning you'll come in and you'll notice we have kids in here with us and that is a vital part of how we worship. Well, why is that important? Why is it so important that our kids that are here? Why do we want you here? It's important that you kids are here worshiping with us. And I'm gonna talk about that just a little bit. Why is that important? Well, we could look all throughout scripture. We know that Jesus said in Matthew 19, 14, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of heaven. Kids, this message about who Jesus is, he's for you. This message is relevant. This God who came, died on the cross, he died on the cross for you, not just for adults. This message isn't just for us, it's for you kids as well. 
And so when we look at even Old Testament worship, man, kids in the Old Testament were there. They were involved in worship. When you look at things like Passover, the kids would be there and one of the things that would sometimes happen in Passover is they'd be eating this meal with one another and they'd be talking and remembering about what God did for them, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. And sometimes what would happen during this meal is a child would look over and the child would go, why are we doing this? (laughs) It's even in scripture. What are we doing this for? And having kids there with their parents, they could then look at them and go, this is why we're doing this. This is so important that we worship and we're celebrating, we're eating this meal together, we're remembering something so specific. See, all throughout Old Testament and even in Ezra, Ezra 10.1, it says, Ezra prayed, made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God and a very great assembly of women, men and children gathered to him outside of Israel for the people wept bitterly. Kids were involved in worship in the Old Testament. And it didn't really change in the New Testament. So kids are involved in worship, Old Testament and New Testament. We can see that clearly through scripture. We know that even commands to parents for us is that even in Deuteronomy, it says, as you walk with your kids along the way, remind them of who I am, remind them them of the commands that I've given them. As a parent from from, uh, uh, Ephesians, one of the things that we know is, is our part as fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're to be there with them. And so for us as a church, we value multi-generational worship, our kids being in with us. I don't know if I've hammered that enough. But the big question is, is how do we work together on that and do that well? So during the first part of the service, we want kids, we want you here with us, worshiping with us. We want you to see baptisms. We want you to worship and sing with us. We want you to be a part when we're praying. We want you to be a part when there's giving that's going on. We want you to know that you're a valuable part of our community. That's one of the reasons why we're inviting you to come in and worship with us. You kids are important to this community. We want you to know that you're loved and cherished. People in this room, think about that. How do we encourage our kids that we want you here? It's good that you're here, that you're praising God with us. Encourage our kids with that. We also want to see, we want them to see kids praising God. Do you realize that a lot of life is caught and not necessarily taught, right? We want our kids to be able to see us celebrating who God is as we worship the one true God and as as we're celebrating what he's done for us. We want our kids to see parents who are enthusiastic about God. They need to see that. And so we want them in here with us. Why? Because we want them also to praise God so that God gets more credit, more glory. So the other aspect that I I think of is this. Reality for us is we live in a fragmented society. So much of our lives are separated. We have parents, they do their things, kids do their things. And here, at least in the first part of the church service, we want this to be one place where we come together and we celebrate and worship together with one another. Last thing is this that I would say is, can you believe what a great opportunity this is for us? 
What a great opportunity that we have as a church to learn how to do this. Because here's the reality. I'm not gonna lie about this, that multiple generations coming together to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. Like, doesn't that almost give you a picture of what heaven's gonna be like? With multiple generations, multiple ethnicities, people from all ages and, and people groups, people worshiping God. We're, we're, we're going to be actually doing that in here, of, of bringing kids along in this and celebrating who Jesus is. And here's the reality of it. This is gonna be messy at some times. Do you, do you know that? Any of you that are parents and you try to do an organized meal together where it's like, hey, kids, we're gonna be real quiet here. We're gonna do this. Things don't always work well. In fact, that's some of the richness of, 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 of having those moments. You're like, some of the most funny times that have happened with us as a family is during those moments when we've had all of our kids together and just, you say the most random fun things. So thank you. So it's gonna be messy. Here's the other reality of what this is gonna mean for us. It's gonna mean sacrificing some of our comfort so that everyone will be able to worship. Are we willing to do that as a church? Are we willing to, to sacrifice so that our kids can be involved in worship with us? Kids, are you okay to sacrifice times as well so that parents can worship? It, it's, it's a two-way thing that we wanna to work together to focus on who God is and we wanna do this well together. We wanna to love one another through this process. See, here's what's gonna happen because of this. We're gonna grow. We get to encounter this wonderful God that we get to experience his love for us, his grace, and we get to learn to do that in this as we learn to do something that is sometimes messy. And so this is extremely important to me and extremely important to us as a community that we learn to do this and we do this well as a church so that God would get glory. So what are some instructions on us doing this effectively? Kids, here's the reality. Part of worship is dancing. We are told to lift our hands. Everybody lift your hands with me. This is actually a biblical, yeah, come on, Dr. Gates. You got, yeah, get it up there, get it up there. I know you can do it, there we go. That's awkward, isn't it? But that's a biblical approach to worship. Guess what, dancing was an appropriate response to worship. Miriam did it. Like I mentioned, David did it. He was clothed, Tristan, I checked that. So we're not going there. but that's a biblical approach to worship. So how do we do this? Here's one of the things that we're gonna ask of people because we want, we want this to be an experience for all of us to work together. Kids, I want you to still be able to dance, but how can we do this in an effective way? Here's what we're gonna ask, that kids who aren't able to sit through a service on their own, be with, be with an adult. And here's why we want that. It's not just I'm trying to lay down a law of, of dang it, and they're just being so oppressive. I ask that if you are a kid that's not able to sit through a service, stay with your parent. Why? It's to teach worship. Being near your parents so they can actually encourage your heart toward the Lord. Let them dance with you, parents. It's okay. Sit near an aisle so that child can dance. If that's how they love to move their bodies and expression to worship, sit on the outside near an aisle. Sit up here in front so that they can move their bodies and express and worship. Shoot, there's seats in the back. Please let them sit in a place where they can move their bodies. That's okay. In fact, some of you as adults, I wish you would move your body. 
And I think God does too. To get your body involved in worship, you're actually turning on more of your brain when you're actually worshiping. You're shutting some of it down when you're just sitting here going, praise Jesus. It's okay to get involved in worship, to clap your hands, to lift your hands, move your body. It's okay. It's okay to do that. Encourage your kids to do that. And they can do that as they're sitting there with you. Model worship for them. Guess what? That may mean as an adult, uh, your worship may need an overhaul, right? You may need to lift your hands at times. You may need to be excited about Jesus. Encourage them to, to have a worship and model that for them. Encourage them to worship. Encourage them to love one another through the process. How do we love one another through the process? Guess what? I, I try to use this illustration and I'm gonna be closing here pretty quick. Um, I was imagining, I, anybody like the Broncos in here? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My brother-in-law loves the Broncos. And so there, I can imagine a time where my brother-in-law would invite me to come over and watch a game. Our purpose is to go over and watch the game. I bring my kids there with me and my kids are standing in front of the screen and they're just kind of dancing there. If my brother loves football, am I gonna go, oh, isn't that so cute? That's not loving to my brother-in-law. So what's loving for me to do with my brother-in-law is to go, hey, bring my child over and go, hey, all, we're actually trying to pay attention to a game right now. Let's watch the game together. Watch the game with me. Encourage them to direct their hearts and attention on where we're collectively coming together to pay attention to. So we do this in the world. That's what we can do actually now even here as a church family, as a faith community that we wanna encourage our kids that if, if I have a child that is, is maybe you know, pushing down their neighbor or other things like that, hey, let's direct our hearts towards Jesus. Let's give him the credit, let's give him the glory. That's a way that we can love our neighbor that is around us. If you are next to a child that is worshiping and you see a parent that is trying to engage their child in worship, how can you be loving toward them? Encourage their heart afterwards, great job. Man, isn't that tough sometimes as a parent, getting your child ready, one, ready for church, two, to come in here and worship, encourage their hearts. Man, I'm so glad that they're here. I'm so glad that you're here. Love them through this process. Love the kids through the process. Celebrate the fact that they're dancing and celebrating. When you hear them singing songs to Jesus, celebrate that. This is a good response. That's how we can work together with one another to increase our worship and elevate our worship. I got off track. My last thing that I just kind of highlight is this. Um, there may be times when Tristan or Kai, as they're leading worship, that they invite you kids to come down and dance and dance your little hearts out. And that's something that may come up. So, but that's something that they will lead in that, of come down and worship, come and dance before the Lord. Parents, come down with them. And when we do that, just listen to their instruction and come down and do that together as a faith community. So thinking through all of this, here's final three thoughts. If one thing that we get through this is a quieter service during worship, guess what? We will have failed miserably. 
if all we get is that we're less distracted during worship, we may have just failed miserably. Well, it's a lot quieter in here. It feels better. Guess what? If the form of our worship is more pleasing to some of you in the room, our end may not be any better than what we were at the first. What are we after right now? If, however, we work together to grow in our expression of gratitude and celebration in who Jesus is and all that he's done, and we're encouraging one another through this process, then we will have achieved something. If our worship increases and it's better because we're trying to work together as a faith community to focus our attention on Jesus, that will help us accomplish something. So what we're asking is, I don't think a tall order. What we're asking is we want to focus on Jesus. We want to work on that together. Will we as a faith community work together to incorporate and have a multi-generational worship service that we give praise and credit and glory to Jesus with one another? And I invite the worship team to come back up and we're gonna, we're gonna sing remaining songs and I'm gonna pray. Let's stand together just in honor of Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you so much for our kids in this room. As I look out in the audience, man, there's kids that are giggling. There's kids that are ready to sing and worship and dance. Thank you for our kids in here. God, it is a blessing. Kids are a blessing. God, thank you for parents. Thank you for parents who are trying to do the tough thing of helping their kids be a part of this community, encouraging their kids towards Jesus and trying to instruct them and bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. God, would you be with our parents, strengthen them in their, their tough role that they've been called to. God, there are grandparents in here that are trying to do the same, encourage their kids and encourage their grandkids to worship. Be with them, God. Encourage them in this process. God, as, as, a, as a community here, as Berean, God, we want to bring you worship. We want you to be known. So God, would you help us to put our attention on you as we focus our hearts on you and worship with one another. In your name, amen.